3: Pharrell on the bench, coast to coast in the biggest way possible, hanging out, the bad seat, a broken a bad apple, with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad haters, bad taste, bad life, bad dude, bad bread, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell Palatial, right across the river and through the woods, from where Granny likes to have a shot at J-Mo before dinner in New York City, the Big Apple, ooh. People dressing plastic bags, the travel traveling, some kind of fashion shack. All my friends to come around for a party, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's in town. My brain's just splattered all over Manhattan. She do Hey, what's gigging? It's Pharrell on a pain-free Friday with Mafia and Carver Hodge, Joe Ranieri in Miami joining us. we got a great show for you today, and we got it all lined up. A little bit later, Mike Yam will join us from the Pac-12 Network here in the first hour to talk about what's going on with that conference. As many are hopeful for the return of college football, and Mario Cristobal talked about it. The head coach at Oregon, the governor of Oregon, has been opposed to large gatherings in her state uh, into September. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, we'll get into all that uh, with Mike Yam- the Yammer. On coast to coast today. We're excited about that. We'll talk about more college football with the boys here about Lincoln Riley. The SEC will vote on the 22nd to reopen facilities. Georgia players could be back on campus by June 1st. What happens if a college football player tests positive? If they play this fall, we're going to talk about the Florida AD willing to let the pros use the Gainesville facilities. And we'll look at the tier two college football teams. And rank them. who's got the best shot at getting into the playoff or to win a title. And the UFC fight night tomorrow night in Jacksonville. We'll get into that tonight, obviously. And more news from the UFC. Dana White talking about Habib and Gaethje. And then Gaethje saying uh, he wants no part of Conor McGregor. He's lost his clout. And then White got in this huge rift with the New York Times. We'll talk about that. John Jones says, bring on Naganu. send me the contract. And would you rather watch Conor Diaz 3 without fans in a building? Tyson praises Conor McGregor for fighting Floyd Mayweather. And then McGregor says he'll fight him again and beat him. Sure you will. Here's a little tip for you. You got your ass handed to you, bro, the first time. You're going to get humiliated again. Even if the guy's 45, he'll beat your ass. You don't have his skills. Who's telling you you have all this talent boxing? It's so funny to me. We'll get the fan question in hour two. baseball. Bryce Harper opens up his mouth. You know what? Is there anything worse? I mean, it's one thing if Blake Snell says he wants his money. It's another thing when Harper opens his money, when he's making $50 billion and now he's crying about money. He's just saying Snell did the right thing by opening his mouth. I think. Harper should just shut his face and stay out of it. He already makes more money than God, and I don't care what anybody thinks. And then uh, Rob Manford talking about what they'll do if one positive test happens. They won't shut the season down. We'll talk about the new ballpark in Arlington. Who's going to pay for it is the bottom line. And then the draft has been set for June 10th and 11th. Cashman's talking about the season in New York. Field are going to make the most money. Yadi Molina says he's the best catcher of all time. We got news on Real Muto and the alleged game they're going to play at the Field of Dreams in Iowa. And Astros, former manager, A's, Mets, Art Howe in ICU, fighting the virus as we speak. SB Nation with us now on the radio side. Good to have you with us on a pain-free Friday. I'm all with Carver High and Mafia and Joe Ranier Plus, In the second hour, our good friend Amy Dash will join us. She is a Fox National legal consultant on television. She's been on my show for years. We're going to talk about the problems for DeAndre Baker of the New York Giants and Quentin Dunbar of the Seattle Seahawks. They both have warrants out for their arrests after an alleged robbery at gunpoint. And the details of this thing are surfacing and it is just unbelievable how stupid these two idiots are. Honest to God, if any of this happened, they're both facing some serious prison time in the state of Florida. This is no joke. We'll talk to Amy Dash about that later on the show today. Plus the James Harrison saga now all of a sudden of which I believe none of, I do not believe for one minute, anything that comes out of his mouth about, uh, Tomlin giving him an envelope and then it turned into an all-day affair today on, on national television with everybody surmising about it, talking about it, going off about it. I heard one guy, this uh, this Lewis Riddick guy, obviously played, was a really successful executive. Uh, I respect him, fair enough, but he said they should go investigate it. Okay, here we go. 2011 it happened and, and now, you know, nine years later we're going to go, what are you going to dig up Find the envelope. going to see if he can get some witnesses that he paid him money or something. I mean, Lewis, calm down. Try to get your Monday Night Football TV gig. Why don't you, let's not try to, like, do Bounty Gate again. Even Sean Payton said they're never going to get it accomplished. And he says he never got over the Bounty Gate when they kicked him out of the league for a year. How stupid was that decision the NFL made when you think about that? There's stories I also don't believe about the Browns trying to trade for Russell Wilson in 2018. Hugh Jackson denies it all. John Gruden is talking about virtual football. Uh, We're going to get into predictions in the NFL. The USA Today has predictions out. We'll get into more stuff from the NFL. Plus, Coach K is on this show talking about NBA jobs that he didn't take. We'll get into NBA news. We'll get into a little... Uh, Final uh, two episodes of The Last Dance. Some golf this weekend. NASCAR, you get it all on coast to coast. All right, so uh, we're all back with you on a pain-free Friday on Coast to Coast, Sports Grid, SB Nation Radio. We got a good laugh in there at the end of the break. Uh, I threw a a line out that got Carver High going, which is impressive. You know, uh, with the heat that we have all of a sudden, you know, it was 30 and snowing last weekend here in New York City. I swear to God, today it's 85 degrees. and My neighbors are out in their pool, and they've never invited me once to go swimming with them. I think that says a lot of what they think of me. That's fine, though, uh, because I think less of them. I'm just kidding. They're great people. Actually, I'm not kidding. I hate those kids. No, I don't. I'm just lying to you. Guess what? It's time to talk to our good friend from the Pac-12 Network. I love this dude. He's always been on my radio show. Now we got him on C2C it's the Yammer. Mike Yam yeah. of the Pac-12 Network. How you doing, Yammer?
2: Uh, I'm doing great. Pharrell, you strike me as the dude who yells at the kids when they step onto your lawn. Am I... Correct in that assessment, no, or are you cool no. with that?
3: No, I play basketball with them, and I talk smack to them when I light them up and humiliate them and send them home to their parents crying. I don't let little kids beat me in basketball. They need to learn the hard way, Yammer.
2: Yeah, no, look, they're, they're the participation trophy, uh-huh. you and I are in that same generation. That That's a little ridiculous. So you, you show, them, show them who's boss there on, on the right, basketball it's court. There for us.
3: Uh, it's good to see you, Yammer. Let's talk yeah, about, you I want to start in, in Oregon. Uh, it, a with the governor, and, and then Mario Cristobal, what he's dealing with when the you know the governor, she said that she's not going to allow gatherings, large gatherings, into in September in her state. And meanwhile, you got a football program that's enormous. And this is what uh, Cristobal said: uh, you know, I think we're encouraged this and that. Uh, You know, sympathetic and uh, considerate of all the people affected by this thing. And, and, And in essence, if you can elaborate on what's going on between the governor and the head coach and the program in Eugene, because let's face it, they're coming off a title and a great season and then their quarterback left for the NFL.
2: Yeah, I, look, I'd still even argue without Justin Herbert, Tyler Shuck, who was their backup this past season. I still think they're going to be in the driver's seat to win another Pac-12 championship, keeping the fingers crossed that we get a season. But you're right. I don't even know, Pharrell, if it's just an Oregon thing with Cristobal and and obviously what's happening from a political standpoint with the governor. But you go even further south, south into the state of California, which is where I'm located right now. You, you got schools like USC, UCLA, Stanford and Cal, um, you know, just across the board, I I think college football right now, it's such a unique scenario. You, you, it's it's way different when you want to talk about uh, major league baseball players or NFL guys, pro athletes compared to college students because I think what a lot of these institutions are now finding is what are you supposed to do if you don't have kids in class? And I think the same can be said, getting back to your question about Oregon, like what do you do right now if the University of Oregon or even Oregon State doesn't allow students there and if it's online learning? Bob Bowlesby, who's the commissioner for the Big 12 Conference, said, with regard to his teams in his league having online courses would not stop their football programs from participating and getting ready for the upcoming season so Larry Scott hasn't indicated that just yet, but I do think it's a little early here, right? I mean, most of the coaches in our league have said, hey, give us six weeks to get ready for the season. That still puts us in, in August to start getting ready. Now, I think there's a lot of protocol that, that are going to have to be instituted. talked to a physician last week from Colorado who's actually on the NCAA advisory Uh, committee for L. And she told me the tests are about a hundred dollars a pop. So when you talk about, you know, just the, the financial crunch that a lot of these institutions are under right now, that's pretty expensive when you're talking about frequent testing for all your student athletes.
3: Would uh, the state uh, or the conference, obviously in Oregon, let's say, and I want to get into California too, and and we're limited in our time. I want to ask you, uh, so let's say they have discussed, have they not playing just uh, Pac-12 games and no other teams out of conference, they would reschedule the whole thing and figure it out, a new way just to play each other?
2: Yeah, you know, those headlines came out last week, and I'm not surprised that it made news, but I think if you take the comments from the coaches in this league in in totality – Every scenario for is on the table right now, whether that means you, it's only a conference game schedule, uh, like the 11 games that you just made reference to, or if they're able to finagle some things, I think there's some schools and there's some marquee non-conference matchups. Alabama SC certainly comes to mind, Ohio State and Oregon. You know, what are those schools Because geographically right now, we're seeing where the reopening is happening at a faster pace, and it seems to be the middle of the country and a little bit slower on the coast. So I think some of those schools in the SEC and the Big Ten are starting to look for maybe some alternatives for other matchups just to make sure that they get some games in.
3: Uh, Mike at the Pac-12 Network, in California, Governor Newsom has open beaches and non-essential businesses. You can curbside pick things up, in in essence, et cetera. But – in reality, the st- you know, the state and the system, the Cal State school system in colleges, biggest in the country. And they're saying these kids aren't going back to school in the fall, Yammer. How are they going to play college football? If, what, are they going to bring college football players in but no other students are going to be there?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a great question, and it's one of like 50 questions that people are asking right now, and you're 100% right. I think the one thing that to be mindful of is the governor in, in California, so Gavin Newsom, who you made reference to, he can mandate X, Y, and Z, but there's been some pushback in the local area. So I, I live in San Francisco, where our studios for Pac-12 Network are, and it's a slower reopening than other areas of the state. So I think with regard to what the, the UC system is indicating right now, I could see a world, and and look, I don't have any insider knowledge on this, Pharrell, but if it's online classes, what would stop a place like UCLA or Cal from having their student athletes essentially in the dorms, but quarantined and just doing online learning. I, I think there's this weird delta right now where you try to figure out what are you going to do if there's no students there. In my mind, no students on campus. That's a hard sell to get kids to go from a safety perspective um, to go in, a, and compete in a, in a locker room, even in a closed locker room like that.
3: I got to tell you, if I'm a a parent of a kid going to college at at UCLA and I send my kid to school for 60, 70 grand a year, let's face it, that's about what it costs. And and he's learning on a computer in his dorm room and not going to classes and not being around students. I want my money back. That is not what I signed up for. That's not what I paid for. But I will ask you this question on a football note. Uh, Kelly did a great job, I thought, at the end of the day with that football team toward middle, late season. I thought he did a great job. And then he's had a great recruiting class, and they have a lot of talent there. Is this guy going to start winning it in Lipstick City?
2: Look, I, I tell you, for all the last two years, the second half of the seasons have been remarkably different and more productive than the first halves of each of those last two campaigns. Remember last year, Joshua Kelly, who ended up getting drafted, and he's going to be locally there uh, in the NFL. He was banged up in the early portion of the season. He's now gone. I, I do think there's some talent there, and I think the one thing to keep in mind here, last season, they were in the top five in the country, youngest rosters. That that team was loaded, L with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. So as they continue to grow, I'm with you. I, I think the, the arrow's pointing up. Hopefully, we actually get to see some Football um, on time, or at least this in this calendar year. But I- I'm with you. I think UCLA potentially could be dangerous.
3: Respectfully, I got about 90 seconds. Uh, yeah. Are you surprised that Helton kept his job?
2: No, I look I, I at the end of the day, and I know some people will say being a nice guy is not enough to get it done. You look at what he was tasked to do. He made wholesale changes uh, to his coaching staff uh, a year ago, made even more changes this offseason. The offense, which was a major issue last year, was a non-issue for that football team. So I, I give him a lot of credit when he decided to go f- to the air raid and really changed the dynamics of that offense. I give them credit for that. I'm not surprised. And the recruiting class, by the way, has been better. Remember, a small class, so the ranking might not be there, but the talent is.
3: Uh, let me uh, throw this at you. I got about a minute. Do you have a surprise for me in the Pac-12 this year? Like, uh, is Stanford usually uh, supposed to be tough? Is it Cal? Sure. Is it Colorado? Is it in Arizona, where they seem to uh, be allowing kids back to school?
2: Yeah, to me, look, I think at the top, it's still Oregon. I think SC's got a really good chance. They're returning pretty much everyone outside of Michael Pittman, who's obviously going to be playing with the Colts. Uh, They're not surprises there. Uh, I will throw ASU and Herm Edwards squad out there. I think by the end of whenever the season plays, Jaden Daniels, who's their quarterback, has got a real opportunity to maybe be a top two quarterback in this conference. So I'll go with Herm's squad. Recruiting has been there. He's got all these NFL dudes. Everyone knows who's on on his coaching staff it's really impressive what he's done down in the desert
3: it really is and ray anderson as well former nfl yeah. guy in charge of the program yeah. uh the athletic program great stuff yammer uh fantastic great seeing you thanks for taking time out of your friday to come oh. on coast to coast we'll catch up during the season yeah,
2: absolutely man always a pleasure congrats on the success too
3: oh uh, thanks a lot yammer mike yammer the pac 12 network on coast to coast go with us
5: All right, Scotty, thanks. Carver High here with a Sports Grid update. After viral comments yesterday from former Steelers linebacker James Harrison that he was given an envelope from Coach Mike Tomlin after he was fined for a hit in 2010, today Harrison wanted to set the record straight. He jumped on Instagram to say Tomlin never paid him for any bounty or to hurt any players and that it was absolutely nothing like the Saints' infamous Bountygate scandal. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred says constant testing will be the key when and if baseball resumes. He intends to test players and other baseball personnel multiple times a week using a drug testing lab in Utah. It converted to process thousands of COVID-19 tests weekly. He also has, quote, great confidence that a deal will get worked out with the players in all phases, including, of course, financially. Also for Major League Baseball, they will hold their draft remotely on June 10th and 11th. The first round will be on the 10th, rounds two through five then the following night. UFC Fight Night tomorrow in Jacksonville. The final leg of a three-event week there for the UFC, and the main event is ready to go. Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris both made weight. They are the main event. Harris is a minus 158 favorite right now at FanDuel. Arrest warrants have been issued in South Florida for New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seattle Seahawks cornerback Quinton Dunbar in connection with an armed robbery investigation. According to police, Baker's arrest warrant is for four counts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. Dunbar is wanted on four counts of armed robbery with a firearm as well. The alleged incident took place Wednesday night at a party that began <laughs> earlier in the night. According to the arrest warrant, Baker and Dunbar are accused of stealing money and watches with force with armed semi-automatic firearms. It states that Baker intentionally threatened victims. Not a good scene, Scotty. Scotty will talk with Amy Dash about that later on on Coast to Coast. Aaron Rodgers spoke to the media today for the first time since the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Rodgers said, quote, you know, Obviously, I'm not going to say I was thrilled by the pick necessarily, but I understand. Rogers said he has spoken to Love several times since he's become a teammate. He didn't get asked to be drafted by the Packers, Roger Rogers said. He's not to blame at all. He's just coming in excited about his opportunity. NASCAR returns to action on Sunday at Darlington Raceway. Brad Keselowski grabs the pole. He's currently the fourth choice at plus 750 at FanDuel, just behind Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick. Ryan Newman, of course, returns after his crash at Daytona. I'm Carver High with a Sports Grid update. Want the edge? Get on the grid!
3: All right, great stuff, Carver High. SB Nation Radio with us coast-to-coast on Sports Grid on a pain-free Friday. Uh, you know, Crimea a river. Every time I hear this guy Aaron Rodgers complain about them uh, taking this quarterback, I'm like, shut up, dude. Honestly, like, what kind of moron uh, doesn't accept the fact that this is the way the world works? Did it not happen to him as well? I mean, you don't learn that if you you know you eat the brownies and they make you sick. Don't eat the brownies. I mean, honest to God, I don't I don't get it. Like, does this guy think that uh? You know, once he's drafted and plays his entire career, that the Packers are never going to select another quarterback in the rest of their history. I mean, just shut up. Just play your last several years and get your money and go marry Danica. Shut up. You're such a prima donna, dude. You turned into such a B. God almighty. I I used to like you, dude. You make me sick now. You have become the, the everything that is bad about professional football and the reputation of players is written all over your face god almighty I'm sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers what a B honestly dude go do some more of your bad commercials honest to god christ almighty every time you mention his name I get sick to my stomach Uh, all right, let's talk. Did that cover it? Carver How do you think in terms of you know circling the I, there? Think I think
5: that I, I think that you you definitely brought it all the way back around, and you let everybody know that you won't be sending a Christmas card to Aaron Rodgers this year. I think yeah. you pretty much laid that claim there.
3: <laughs> enough already, dude. He's a, he's a gray beard already. These guys are thirty six. What do they think they're they're gonna play forever? What's he gonna pull a Tom Brady and play till he's forty five? Stop. Lincoln Riley thinks that. Um, You know, bringing players back to campus on the 1st of June is dumb. He's done some interviews about this. Do you agree with him or not? And George is thinking about doing the same thing.
5: Yeah, look, uh, this all comes down to the back and forth. Some people, Scotty, are going to believe that you need to stay away a little bit longer. And some people are going to believe, forget all this. Let's go. Get everybody back in here and let's start working. Lincoln Riley is of the thought. Why not? Why are we rushing this? You know, I, Clearly he's doing okay talking to his players through the virtual way, through computers and, and working with them that way. Um, you know it's going to happen eventually. It's coming down the line. The SEC is going to vote, what is it, next week to uh, start letting people back on their campuses. So it, it's coming, Scotty. They're going to start getting these guys back, uh, these kids in general, all back on these college campuses. All right,
3: so the SEC is going to vote on the 22nd, which is right around the corner doing push-ups about reopening facilities and in essence is it not really the most important vote of all because we all know that the only thing that matters in college football is the sec i mean that's what the network's cram down our throats they're the teams that make the uh, generally right the playoff uh alabama is basically their own entity their own network they're like notre dame alabama plays on cbs as much as notre dame uh plays on nbc would you agree with that
5: Oh, absolutely. They're their favorites. Uh, I don't know what the exact rules are for that Saturday afternoon CBS SEC game, but they max out on Alabama games every single chance that they get. They love showing Alabama. I firmly believe, Scotty, that you know there, if there's going to be a fragmented college football situation where only some of the teams are playing and some of them are not, I think the SEC will absolutely fall into that group that they are going to play. I mean, they're already trying to get you. So the LSU coaches are already back on campus waiting for the players. Georgia wants the players back on the campus. They are going to be the conference that I think has everybody all lined up and ready to go late August, early September.
3: Wow. So we had uh, Mike Yamlon talking about the Pac-12. And do you think – and I want to ask Mafia this question, uh, actually. Uh, do you think that they'll play Mafia – uh, just the conference games only in the Pac 12, or is that idea crazy? Because he had mentioned the other games like Oregon, Ohio State, and Alabama, USC. Uh, is the idea of playing just conference games, Mafia, unappealing to you?
6: You know, in certain situations, that's the most important thing, obviously. You know, when it comes to the non conference, a lot of these teams are playing, you know, crappy little schools you don't care about, and they probably won't be open. So, yeah, what well, seems most likely for a lot of the situations that they're going to. You know, if they're going to focus on only a certain amount of games, if the season gets pushed back to maybe, you know, starting in October, of course, they're going to want to do their conference games first, get the money in-house. Now, as far as the big games like YAM talked about, those big matchups against primetime opponents, sure, they'll want to try to sneak those in if they can, because that's where you make even more money. That's where you get more attention on you. The Pac-12 is going to get a lot more attention by playing, you know, Alabama and Ohio State than they are by playing on the Pac-12 network that nobody gets. But if it's just a choice of we only have this many weeks and we have to fit in this many games, they're going to put theirs first. So uh, the facts
3: remain uh, that uh, the issues become uh, testing, and then we've seen them talk about what happens if a player tests positive. I think it's pretty safe to say what they'll do is, this is my guess, Mafia, is that they're just going to end up, you know, frankly, quarantining the team If if a player gets it. They're going to, obviously, they're going to freak out a little bit. And then the next thing you know, two or three guys get it. Then they know they have to quarantine the team and keep them away from everybody else because these things are no different. If you ask me, now I know how dangerous it is. I think everyone around the world knows how dangerous it is. But in it, it, conceptually, it's like when a kid goes to school In middle school or grade school, and there's a kid there with the flu or with uh, a bad cough and cold, and they're sneezing and, you know, spraying and coughing all over the room. Every kid in the class gets sick. Then they bring it home, get the family sick, and it spreads like wildfire. I think this thing, if if a player tests positive, do you think that's what they're going to do? They're just going to quarantine the team for two weeks?
6: Well, they're probably not going to try to quarantine the whole team. They're probably going to try to quarantine that specific player. And if it's a couple of them, they try to do that. But, you know, that can only go so far. You know, when you're going to put them in dorm rooms, probably double them up. Even maybe, let's say, that they don't have all the people back on campus. That they just bring back the athletes, somehow they work that in. Then, yeah, you can spread them out a little bit more because you have multiple dorms that you're used to having thousands and thousands of kids, and you're having 100 kids. So you can spread them out a little more, maybe give them their own room. Well, when you get to the locker room, when you get into the dining hall, things like that, it's going to be harder to keep them away from each other and keep them separate to try to quell any spread of the virus because you're in these packed spaces normally. So that's going to be the issue. And that's what I think you know, a lot of these colleges are trying to jump the gun and bring them back so quick are overlooking. That's why Lincoln Riley's saying, hey, let's take a step back. Let's take a couple of weeks, figure out some more about this and how to deal with it so that we don't have a situation where you rush them back and all of a sudden your quarterback and your top two receivers and your running back or you know, your best linebacker. Are the guys that are sick, and then yeah, you might have other guys to play, but you're not going to be as good. Do you think they'll let
3: the uh, quarantine player keep a uh, keg coolie in his uh, dorm room if he's in quarantine? In other words, like you know how the hotels have the expensive uh, little cooler filled with booze bottles and beer and water, and if you touch it or if you lift off the beer, you got to pay for it. You need to let the, the player actually keep a keg of beer in a little refrigerator in his room.
6: <laughs> no, I, I don't, Scott. Come on. we, we got to be safe here. I know they say alcohol kills a virus, but there's not enough alcohol and beer to kill a virus. You know, you got to go Everclear, Rome 151, or anything higher, you know, grain alcohol, something high in alcohol content, so that it kills the virus, of course.
3: All right, so uh, do you think that the Florida AD is making a good decision, uh, Carver High, about... Uh, you know, letting pro teams use the swamp, use the facilities down in Gainesville.
5: Yeah, why not? I don't have any problem with that at all. If he's got great facilities down there, uh, there's going to be no baseball right now. There's going to be no basketball for a little while. If the NBA does come back this summer and they need a place to play a couple games, that's a great facility that they have down there. Sure, play the games. The football is a little bit different because I do believe that. The SEC is going to play, like I said before. So you would think that the Swamp is going to be uh, having some football games. But you've got off weeks. You've got Sundays where they could use it if the NFL needs be. Because we still have the issue with the NFL, Scotty, where, you know, you could get into late August. Are the Jets and the Giants going to be able to play in the New New Jersey area, New York area? Is that going to happen? What about the California teams? Maybe some teams going to Gainesville would be a good idea.
4: You know, uh,
3: I was just thinking about Gainesville, being a Canes fan and everything. I just thought I'd say it's a perfect uh, breeding ground and grooming ground for developing murderers. They've done a great job down there of getting these kids into the system and then grooming them for potential greatness in life. And then once in a while, murderer comes out of there. They've done a really nice job. Down there. You don't think that works for you? All right, then let's talk about <laughs> – let's talk about – I'm just I'm just kidding, even though I'm not, again, kidding at all. Uh, let's talk Sound about – Sound like a can, too. I am a Kings fan. Well, I left last night. I love watching uh, Winslow and all the boys get it done against Florida State. Me. And I let my best friends that are Florida State fans all have it last night afterwards, too. And I'll do it again if they play it again. Uh, the national uh, title picture. Can we get the graphic up of the uh, Vandal odds to win the title on these six teams, tier two teams? Uh, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, Penn State, USC, and AM. Uh When you look at that, Carver High. National Jimmy Chibats of those teams, FanDuel style. Who do you like?
5: If I had to pick one of these teams, I would probably pick Oklahoma just because it seems like even though they never win, they're in the playoff every year. I, you know how I am, Scotty. I don't think that anybody cracks that main top group. I don't think any of these teams here are on the level of Clemson, of Ohio State, of Alabama. I don't think any of these teams can dance with those teams. If I had to pick one of them, it would be Oklahoma. But I'm tired of watching Oklahoma lose in the national semifinal, Scotty. So you want to know what? Maybe, just maybe, the Nittany Lions can find a way to beat Ohio State. What do you think?
3: Yeah, not after they lost the speed on the outside. I'm not buying it. I I hate to admit it. I think Florida is uh, on the top of those odds in Vegas because uh, they have the most talent coming back. They are loaded and well-coached. I think they've got a legitimate shot, but I also believe that uh, Texas is going to be, frankly, on the same level, believe it or not, as Oklahoma. Uh, You know, Oklahoma now can send another quarterback in and be just fine with the talent they get, the size, the skill, and the speed that they have in Norman. I think Texas can match up with that. Texas always seems to trip over their own feet But they're as loaded athletically and talent-wise as any team that's on that list. They just need to put it all together and get it done. I like those, those top three teams there, but I hate to say it. I think Florida is the best team. We got more going on on Coast to Coast, so don't go anywhere. Throw with you on coast to coast on a pain-free Friday with Mafia, Carver Hodge, Joe Ranieri running it from Miami. We're in New York. As you can see out my window here, sick view I got on the Upper West Side. Very expensive property behind me, I got to tell you. All right, so uh, let's talk about the UFC. Another fight night tomorrow night in Jacksonville as they get their third event in in Florida in whatever it is, nine days. It's crazy. Here's the odds that we're looking at. Walt Harris, the favorite over Alistair Overeem, the veteran. And then Angela Hill on a three-fight win streak, a heavy favorite over Claudia Gedalia. And then um, Barbosa, Edson Barbosa, the favorite in his fight against Dan Idge. And then uh, Christoph Jotko, minus $1.60 over Eric Anders. Of course, uh, household names there. Zong Yadong. <laughs> Zong Yadong. Uh, one of my favorite fighters. Uh, go get him, Donger. <laughs> it's Marlon Vera. Let's get Mafia in here to talk about these fights. I got the rest of the fights as well. I'll talk about those later. All right, Mafia, in the uh, big fights, uh, why don't we start? I think you took it up to the Matt Brown uh, Miguel Baiza fight. Uh, and Baiza, I believe, undefeated, his favorite over Brown in that fight. Who do you like there?
6: Yeah, I'm going to take uh, the immortal Matt Brown. A couple years ago, actually, pulled retirement after winning, has come back since uh, 2017. I think he retired. He's come back and looked like he's gotten rejuvenated a little bit. Not at the top of the game like he was years ago, but I think that uh, against the young Baez, it he has a little bit more of an edge, a little bit more of, you know, the experience factor is going to kick in for this one. I'm going to go Matt Brown. All
3: right, and then uh, Song it on against Marlon Vera uh the chinese yadong the favorite who do you like there with my boy the
6: Donger? yeah this might be up for uh the night these guys are two guys that are really good on the grab but going to be scrapping probably because they respect each other on the mat uh usually fight at a lower weight class but because of the late notice for this one they're both fighting up to 145 they're usually 135 pounders uh yadong is a boy who fights out with your eye favorite at alpha male so he's got that good background there. But I think I'm going to go with Vera right now. This guy's been, again, more proven. He's been around a little longer. Yadong is still a little raw at 22. He's got a great potential coming through his future. But right now, I'm going to stick with Vera.
3: So, uh, Vera, the choice Mavi is going with over our boy, the donger. <laughs>
6: Five the wins donger. in a row for him right now.
3: All right. Uh, Eric Anders against Christoph Jotko. Jodko, 21 and 4, the favorite
6: in this fight against the American who's 13-4. and four. Yeah, Jotko was looking you know bad for a while. Both these guys coming off of a couple of bad losses, and then now have rebounded, gotten a you know, win or two here to keep in the promotion. And just the thing for me with him is that he's always just too anxious. He just comes straight forward. He's not polished enough to really strike and you know do it smartly. He's got the football mentality because the former Alabama player just comes right at you. So Jotko used to use a lot more takedowns than he does now. I think that would serve him well in this fight. Or at the very least, just stay a little bit out of Vander's way, score some points, and get the win.
3: All right, and then uh, Dan Edge, the American, taking on the Brazilian Edson Barboza. A lot of experience there. He's 20-8. and He's favored over Edge.
6: Yeah, it's a little bit of a weird fight for Barboza, dropping down in weight, the 155 to 145. I mean, usually it's a lot harder for these guys to drop down that extra 10 pounds when you get that much lighter. So it's kind of questionable that he can go up instead of down. But for this fight, he's fine itch. guy's a tough guy, he's had a little bit of success here. Probably a little bit faster at that you know, lesser weight class. But I'm still going to stick with Barbosa. It's so hard to pick against him. Might not be the easiest pick. This can go either way. But I just love Barbosa and those leg kicks he throws at a guy to slow him down. I think that uh, a little extra power, as long as he hasn't guessed himself out on this weight cut, is going to serve him well.
3: So Angela Hill's been hot
6: lately uh, in the straw
3: weight. I think she's won three in a row, but she's... Kind of a heavy dog against the Brazilian Godelia.
6: Yeah, she's a heavy dog because she's her three 0 record is against nobody. I mean Gadela is obviously much more seasoned fighter. She had a you know 12-0 record before she went and fought for the title a couple years ago, has had some tough times since five and four since that title fight against Ioana. But I think right now she's starting to get her feet back a little bit. I think she's a little stronger than she was in the last few fights. I just I can't believe in Hill until she shows me something against someone who actually matters.
3: All right, so the uh, main event of the evening in Jacksonville is the heavyweight brawl between Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem has literally fought everyone, including my mother-in-law. Who hasn't this guy fought? <laughs> honestly, Christ. 45 and 18. He's like got Pacquiao numbers. I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly, that why
6: He's yeah, he's one of those so guys that's been, he's been fighting probably since he was like 12 professionally. This guy's been around for so long, you know, fighting. He's fought at Pride. He's fought at, you know, uh, the strike force, He's fought in UFC. The guy's fought everyone in every promotion. So if you're a heavyweight, he's probably fought you at some point in your career. Uh, this thought was supposed to happen at the end of last year. But, of course, the, the terrible thing happened with Walt Harris's stepdaughter where uh, she was unfortunately murdered. And so he had to take his time off and recap with his family. But this guy's badass. You know, he really has won his last four fights. He's 3-0-1 because of a no contest on a tainted supplement. But otherwise, he's been kicking some ass and taking names. He struggles against guys that uh, you might take him down. And that Overeem head kick could be dangerous for him. But I like him to come in here because Overeem's jaw has been a little bit suspect to me. Although, if you want to take a chance, you throw a couple bucks down just on a, a wild card here. Overeem, you got the odds boost at FanDuel at plus 320 that, it is a, uh, that he ends by a TKO or KO for a win. I mean, that guy's whole career is either win or lost by TKOKO. So if you throw a couple bucks here, you might have a good chance of winning some. Also, an odds boost at plus 360 of Harris, Gadella, and Barboza, all three winning. So you got some good shots to make some electric extra cash on some of these favorites. Who was the middle one there? A Hill? Harris, Gadella, and Barboza.
1: Oh, all
3: right, on Gadella. All right, so uh, I just want to say uh, I can see it now. I'm, I'm envisioning Harris winning and then. Uh, given all the uh, love in the Pharrellagon to his uh, uh, stepdaughter who passed. I think that would be a cool story if he won the fight and then gave her some love. Uh, The other fights, Anthony uh, Hernandez against Kevin Holland in the middleweights. Um, And then you got a fight at featherweight, uh, Chikadze against Rivera. And then in featherweight, Elkins and Landwehr. Uh, and also, ladies, flyweight, Casey against Romero, Barella. And then finally, another heavyweight ball, Nascimento and Dante Mays, the American against the Brazilian. So you got 11 fights tomorrow night in Jacksonville. I'm all for it. I got to tell you, uh, I've enjoyed watching uh, last Saturday and Wednesday night. So tomorrow night, bring it on. I'm all for it. All right, uh, Carver, I, let me ask you. Uh, Dana White says that Habib and Gaethje will happen now in September because of uh, Habib's father and his uh, going into a coma and being in ICU. I think he's out of the coma now, though. He's stable, but in critical. And then Gaethje says, uh, on top of that, he knows it's going to be September, but he's also commented today that he's not going to fight Conor McGregor and that McGregor has lost his clout.
5: Yeah, I mean, listen, lost his clout, and he means among the fighters. The other fighters uh, you know, in the UFC, he doesn't really have the kind of weight that he used to. He's pulled a lot of stunts. We know that with Conor. Uh, he's demanded a lot of things. Uh, and, he, you know, lately he hasn't been fighting. You know, as Mafia always says, he's fought what? Once he comes back and he fights a tin can like Cowboy Cerrone, he beat him around in one round, right? So uh, you, you want to see him fight somebody actually good. I, and I think he would rather fight Gaethje than Mosfadol because Mosfadol would probably take his head off, as we've alluded to here. But he's going to have to wait or he's going to have to fight somebody else because this is the fight right now. They've both been told September. And I hope Gaethje takes it to Khabib in September.
3: I, I think uh, Mosfidal would beat uh, Conor McGregor, and I'll tell you what—all this talk about McGregor uh, fighting Mayweather again—I'm sick and tired of listening to that nonsense. Well, he beat I, his ass. I, 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 I think that that's—I think
5: he's better off doing that. I think he's better off going to try to figure that out right now than fight one of these guys that's going to kill him in the UFC. Let's be fair—you uh, know, like you said, Mosfidal would beat him. Khabib's already beaten him. Gaffey would maybe beat him after what I saw last Saturday. Go get the big payday and try to draw Floyd back in. And, and Tyson's point today, I saw the Tyson video with his podcast, you know, saying you got to, you know, give that man a lot of respect. You know, he stood 10 rounds with the best fighter of the last 100 years, and he got a couple of good punches in on him. That was Tyson's whole thing. Uh, you know, I don't know. We, we watched that fight. We were there. Um, he, he got his I thought he performed for never, for never boxing in his life. Were there some games maybe pre-established between the two guys? Listen, I'm going to let you hit me a couple times and then I'll finally take you down in the eighth, ninth and 10th round. Maybe that was going on a little bit, but he did stand in the ring with him for 10 rounds.
3: Yeah, I thought from, uh, you know, I'll give him the first three rounds that he looked okay. And then. Uh, seven straight rounds, he he looked awful. And if they would have let it keep going, he would have been injured. Uh, His brain would have been injured because Mayweather was landing shots on him. And Mayweather doesn't knock anybody out. Mayweather has had so many decisions in the last 10 years of his career. Uh, Rack them up, you'll see for yourself, they were all unanimous decisions and split decisions, rarely, but they were all decisions. He put on a show for 36 minutes is what he did. And then in that fight, he just absolutely toyed with McGregor. Please don't even sell me that McGregor once, for one second, was in that fight.
5: You know, I'm not going to tell you that he was going to win the fight. Absolutely not. But just when you look at the spectacle that that was and the moneymaker that that was for him, I think that guys like Dana White know that Connor is a huge moneymaker for the UFC. And if he puts uh, uh, Connor in another fight where he gets his ass beat, that's going to be a problem for him selling his fights. So Dana White knows that if I make another Nate Diaz fight with Connor, I can sell that, and Connor will probably win the fight, and I can get a little bit more length out of him before he loses a couple fights, and then I lose the big draws. I you
3: know I'll I'll watch that third fight uh, with Diaz. Bring it on, and do it this summer because the fact of the matter is, uh, you know. After I watched Connor the second time they fought, I thought I thought Diaz won that fight when I watched it initially, right? But when I watched it a second and third time, I thought Connor won the fight. But I know Diaz won that first fight. So let's get it on. Let's have one more to see who's really the badass. Cause I mean, the bottom line is, is that Diaz gave him everything he could handle in that second fight. Connor just did more in the fight and deserved to win the fight. But I thought Diaz showed up and fought him. It wasn't like he kicked his ass or anything. I thought it was a really good fight. So I'll watch that fight again any day in the week over Connor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. Just stop already. Go buy some more watches, Floyd. I'm done waiting around for your decisions, and I don't care about your family, and I don't care about your daughter, and I don't care about your watches. I don't care about your shopping sprees. I don't care about your Cessna. I don't care about your homes in every city. I really don't. Uh, And then John Jones says, uh, Nagano, bring it on. Give me a contract. I'll fight him. And, uh, you know, I'll watch that fight, too. I'd love to see Nagano take a shot at John Jones. Uh, I think John Jones is a great fighter. I think he's an absolute moron, idiot drip in his life. I think away from the octagon, he's an absolute, uh, just as stupid as they come. He's the dumbest guy I think I've ever seen in mixed martial arts.
5: Yeah, he's definitely up there as one of the dumbest guys. I was reading today, Scotty, that if that fight takes place, they think that that would be the first time in like 11 years that John Jones would be an underdog in a fight. They think that Nagano would be the favorite in that fight. Uh, the last thing I
3: want to say is that Dana White's fighting with the New York Times He's angry because he says that the New York Times never has covered the UFC or MMA. Now, all of a sudden, they write a couple stories about the UFC, and now they're trying to get on board with the UFC. I can guarantee you one thing: and it's not going to happen, is that Dana White's not going to let the New York Times anywhere near his promotions. Because when Dana White turns on you and doesn't like you and has something against you, which he does, he's got a hair has took us for the New York Times, they're not going to have access. I can guarantee you that. We're going to keep raging right here on Coast to Coast. I know you're digging it, aren't
4: you? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: i right, for all of you on Coast to Coast, on a pain-free Friday, on Sports Grid and SB Nation Radio. I have to tell you that – um, so I heard that the NASCAR is going to add a bunch of uh, additional races to uh, the schedule, and I think four of them or something are at Homestead down in uh, basically Cuba, which is where it is. It's south of Miami. I mean, it is so far down south of the Okeechobee Whiskey. I mean, to tell you what. I've been to Homestead before and partied there many times. I've even been there and partied with your boy, Rick Harrow. I have uh, gotten lit at that racetrack, uh, in that infield, at that uh, Super Bowl of racing, that final, uh, you know, the championship uh, race weekend that they have in Miami every year. It's great. But here's Darlington's odds for uh, NASCAR on Sunday. And uh, Jimmy in South Carolina writes, uh, who are you picking to win the NASCAR race in Darlington Sunday? And how will Ryan Newman do? Well, Ryan Newman at uh, 11000 There you go. Good luck, uh, Ryan, coming off of that crash at Daytona. Harvick and Kyle Bush are favored. Denny Hamlin and Logano right there. Keselowski at plus eight hundred. Chase Elliott eight fifty. Truex nine fifty. Eric Jones, who? Uh Alex Ooh. Bowman. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, well,
5: you could say who all day Ryan. long when it comes to NASCAR drivers, Scotty. You could go down the list who, 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 because that's what NASCAR is now. They have no stars, they have no big appeal, and, and that's their biggest issue. They don't have the names. The Earnhards, the Tony Stewarts, the Jeff Gordons, the Pet. they don't have these guys anymore. So every week you got to look at the NASCAR list and go who, 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 who. Uh, I'm going to go with <laughs> Keselowski here this weekend scotty he did win the poll his odds have gone up a little bit from that one he's now actually at plus 750 after getting the poll here today so i'm gonna go with keselowski on sunday
3: all right i'm gonna take uh martin truex jr and i'm just gonna take him in every single race the entire season because i don't give a rat's ass and he's from new jersey so i'm just gonna i'm gonna bet on him every single race they have like 36 races